0: Welcome back to episode two of Jim and Ted's Excellent Movie Adventure. I'm your host, Jim, here with my co-host, Ted Brown. Ted, what's going on, man?
1: Hello, hello. Living my best life, man. It's taking it <laughs> easy.
0: Hell yeah, dude. So if you guys are listening to the second episode, we assume that you heard episode one. And uh, we want to thank you for joining us for episode two. Uh, we have two new movies to get to in this episode. Uh, as well as possibly, potentially, reveal two of our most favorite movies. Two movies in our top ten towards the end of the episode, if we have time. Yeah, Ted, why don't you uh, get us started on the, the two movies that we watched.
1: Alright, well, the two movies that we watched for this episode are 1917 and Inception.
0: I feel like two, like two heavy-hitting movies, like two totally different movies... But my, in my opinion, and I know you, uh, you're a big Inception guy. But I loved 1917, dude. What did you think about that movie?
1: I really enjoyed it. Um, from a technical standpoint and from a story standpoint, it really just sucks you in.
0: from From the very beginning, right? Like,
1: yeah, right from the beginning. I,
0: what I like about these movies is there's no star. Like, there's no. No one, like, you're not going to go 1917, you're not going to go see 1917 because you want to see Brad Pitt, or, I don't know, Angelina Jolie, or, you know, someone like that. You're going to, you're going to go watch 1917 because you appreciate a story, and I feel like the way they shot this movie, you saw it from, I guess, a soldier's perspective, you know, in particular... Main, I guess he's the main character, I would say, right? Yeah, uh, you saw the movie, I, I think, through his eyes, where it never stopped. And I don't know how long he was up for, but I felt like I was tired Like by the end of that movie. Like, I'm like, oh my god, when is this gonna stop for this guy? You know, why don't, why don't you tell us a little bit about
1: 1917, Ted? So, 1917 is uh. Loosely based on the director and the writer of the movie, Sam Mendes, I think his great-grandfather, told him a similar story about his uh, experience in the Great War, World War I. And, um, so the movie is basically about these two soldiers who have to carry a message across the front lines of the war in France— the the reason they have to do that is because the Germans have cut all the phone lines and everything so they have to get to um, the commander of a company that's not exactly right next door and they have to do it quickly or else there's gonna be a massacre and um, he pretty much just takes you on that journey with these two characters you're walking with them the way that the movie is shot and there's a level of intimacy as a viewer in the movie that's shot like this where you kind of feel completely immersed in the experience. Yeah, you know, that's, um, that's
0: a good word to use. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there, but that was a great word.
1: Yeah, and um, just goes to unexpected places. It kind of never lets up. But there are certain moments in the movie where the creative people behind it know when to take the foot off the gas a little bit and to take a breather from i mean these people are going through hell pretty much just to be able to relay information vital information but i mean they're just pretty much going through hell so uh that's kind of my initial takeaway on the movie how about
0: you jay so what i like to do with with movies is kind of and i know you, you're you kind of the same way we kind of touched on this in the first episode but i like to feel things in the movie and i'll be honest like war type movies like like this or yeah i guess another one that comes right to mind is like saving private ryan
1: oh uh, that's a good one
0: yeah, not that I have a hard time putting myself uh, in that character's situation or or wanting to feel the things that that character's feeling, but it's almost like in in these in these type movies I don't want to feel like what they're feeling. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. And I find that that I do it anyway, but it's just as I'm watching these kind of movies, I'll notice like my jaws clenched or like my knuckles are white. You know what I mean? Like. Uh, yeah. I, I, like if, if I'm this kid, cause I mean, he's a younger guy, he's a younger, like I would say in his, in his early twenties, whatever, I would be so scared, you know, it was just insane watching him go through what he all to just deliver a message. And then along the way, he's finding out that, you know, the guy that he's delivering the message to may not even listen because some, some people are, are there to fight. You know, like they want to fight, and there's no telling them that they can't. Because once they're there, that's it. So, and and again, we mentioned if you're listening to the to this show about movies, we are gonna spoil the movie. <laughs> so
1: oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely.
0: If you haven't seen 1917, I 100% recommend seeing it. But yeah, it's it's about this. I believe they're British soldiers, right?
1: Yeah, British soldiers.
0: Yep, he, he he travels for what feels like a, at least uh, they had a certain time. I want to say it was like was it like thirty six hours or forty eight hours to get somewhere? I can't remember the specific time frame. But he's doing all this by foot. You know, he's not. At no point in the movie does he find a, a vehicle of any sort. Uh, it's it's him and a, another soldier. When his buddy or, or the other soldier gets stabbed. And, you know, ultimately passes away. That kind of hit me a little bit because when you have to do something, if you're doing it with somebody else, it doesn't make it as bad. But when you lose the guy that you're supposed to be doing it with, you know, and you you end up doing it by yourself, it makes it harder, 100%. So uh, I was trying to put myself in his shoes and weren't they also supposed to deliver a message to... The one soldier's brother, who was stationed close to the camp where they were traveling to, or if not on it, um, or or was, did he just find out that he was there so he could say hi, something like that?
1: Yeah. Um, basically, the mission is to bring the mis- bring the message, uh, to the company, of um. One of the two soldiers main characters in the movie, Mm -hmm. his brother is in this company. And if the commander of that company doesn't get their message to hold off on the attack, this guy's brother and everybody else is going to be slaughtered. Yep. So getting that message and helping to make this relatively stubborn and headstrong commander, we learn that he's stubborn and headstrong about wanting to fight to not fight is um, vitally important for uh, saving lives, saving the allies' lives.
0: Yeah, because it it was known, they found, they figured out through whatever intelligence they had that the enemy actually wanted them to attack. They set a trap for them. So once they had attacked, you know, they would, whatever the trap was, they would fall right into it and, and everybody would die, you know. So that's why it was so vital for him to get that information to uh, the man in charge, and he had gotten there just as they were attacking, I believe. So some people did die, but you know the vast majority didn't because he he got there. And, and dude, like I don't know, man. Like I'm I, like I like I said, I'm trying to put myself in this guy's position, and going through what he went through you know i'm thinking of the parts uh he was in multiple shootouts right yep just just beat up no sleep no food barely any any water he's non-stop moving and that's all hard to do when you're not in the middle of a war like where people are not trying to kill you and he, i don't know if i could have done it like i'm watching this movie and i'm like you know, would I just, (laughs) part of me was like, I would rather be dead. And then of course the other side of that coin is, well, if, if you're dead, then that means, you know, countless other lives are lost as well. So I guess that would drive me.
1: Exactly. Yeah. The, um, the part in the movie that really hits hard for me, at least is when, um, they see, the two main characters, they see this plane coming towards them
0: Oh, yeah. The
1: they're great on team. a, I don't know, somebody's abandoned farm. The plane comes down, and they realize that it's a German soldier. So one guy pulls him out. And at least the first time I watched this, I was like, oh, God, this guy is going to kill the person who's trying to save his life because – He's about to die anyway, so might as well take the enemy with me, you know? Mm -hmm. So I was like, oh, man, you should have just shot him when he was in the plane. But um, anyways, that hit me so hard because up to that point, the character, the guy whose brother is in the company that he needs to save, was kind of the beating heart of the movie. Mm -hmm. He was a happy guy. He just seemed so full of life. And to see that cruelly taken away really, really hits hard, you know?
0: Yeah, that's a that's a great point. I think that was the, the part of the movie that stuck out to me uh, the most as well. I mean, that was a pretty awesome, albeit sad, awesome scene.
1: It was powerful.
0: Yep. Yeah, that plane, I, I could have swore that plane was either going to hit him or just burst into flames. And, you know, when they pulled that guy out... That's That was the first thing I thought of also. Like, man, these guys are being good guys. You know something's going to end up wrong. And then it looks like, oh, maybe not. And he walks away for a second, and he gets stabbed. Just crazy. I think he was actually going to get – the the guy that got stabbed asked his friend to go get some water from the well or something, I think. And he turns around, and his friend's dying. That was a pretty sad scene. And the way that, the way that they did it too, like most movies, you know, a guy would give a last word and, you know, oh, he's dead. Whereas this one it kind of showed like they drew they drew it out a little bit cuz I guess maybe people don't instantly die when they get stabbed or you know things kind of it, it left you in it for a second so you could actually feel what it was like to lose somebody in you know in war somebody that you know you cared about or were close to you know it looked like he was going to try to save them. and I think there was actually a part where the soldier asked his friend you know am I going to die and the friend took a second to think about it because uh, he knew, you know, and
1: yeah, it, was a, it was a stab to the gut. That's always deadly.
0: Yeah.
1: And frequently. It,
0: he could have tried to comfort him and say, well, you know, like we're, we're I'm going to try to save you. I'm going to try. But he knew that he had a mission and there was nothing that he could do. Like he was going to have to let him bleed out and. When he told him that, yeah, I think, I think that you are going to die. And I don't know. It was just not that it was so cold. Like, cause you understand it. At least I think that I understood it. Like, I don't think that I could lie to somebody as they're dying either. I think I probably would have been the same way. Like, yeah, you're probably, yeah. probably gonna, you know, not off, but I'm here with you. You know what I mean? Uh, and then I think the kid kind of started losing his brain a little bit as he was, you know, fading out. Uh, I don't know. That was, it was just a, it was just a, a tough scene, an emotional scene, you know? And I, and I appreciated that they kind of took you through it instead of, oh, tell my mom I miss her. And all of a sudden his eyes shut or something like that. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. They really took you through like this guy's disbelief at what happened. Mm-hmm his denial at what happened and then kind of his acceptance as to what happened and what's going to happen very soon, you know?
0: Yep. And I feel like that's, that's kind of what they did with them throughout most of the movie. The next scene that kind of comes to mind for me is when, uh, he's, and I, I don't think it was too long after he's, I think he's spotted by, I want to say, was it a german soldier where were they were they in um, russia or, or uh i might be way off here
1: <laughs> for someone are you talking to watch? Like immediately after this
0: so uh, i'm thinking of the scene i think you know what i think they're in france because he stumbles into the french woman's uh house or apartment
1: oh yeah yeah that scene yeah
0: yeah i think they're in i think he's in france at this point and, uh, you know, somebody catches him, he kind of slides into a, a a house and, you know, he's so, so exhausted, you know, it, it was just interesting to me because before that point, you know, he's running off adrenaline, you know, he's, he's running for his life. He slides into this place and in a moment of, I don't want to say he takes his guard down, but he knows for a second that he's kind of safe and it looks like his his body starts to give out a little bit, where he's just so, like weak and and just beat up at this point. Um, I can't remember if he if he falls asleep or not. Yeah, you know, I think she takes care of him. I think she feeds him, maybe maybe looks at his wounds or something like that. But you know, at least I could feel his exhaustion at that point.
1: Absolutely, yeah. This um, this scene is absolutely. One of my favorites, because, I mean, it had taken us like through a gauntlet of um, chaos and anarchy, pretty much. And finally, he's able to just relax, even for a short time. I mean, it's not really clear how long he's there. It seems like maybe 30 minutes or something like that he's able to were able as well to think on what had happened up to that point and for him to be able to relax just for a moment and, um, be able to come across. I mean, one, this woman who's very sweet and she seems pretty caring and, uh, this baby who isn't even hers, but she's taking care of it anyways. And, um, you kind of get the feeling that this guy just for a moment wants to be wants to maybe stay there yeah and protect these people and forget about his mission and all that he remembers exactly what his mission is what he has to do he kind of shakes it off and gets going again back to essentially hell
0: yeah, you know, you brought up some good points there because he it did look like he wanted to stay. You know, I mean, who wouldn't? I mean, she's she's I, I can't remember she's got a fire going, but she's she's staying in a nice place. She's making a, a dinner whatever it was, you know, she's nice and cozy. And it's almost like he lets his guard down for a second where he's like, "No, no, don't don't scream. I'm, I'm, I'm you know, I'm not here to hurt you or whatever." And it it was almost like as soon as he realized that he could chill out for a second that's when he collapsed he was like oh my god i'm good here you know what i mean um, absolutely
1: yeah it,
0: it's so interesting the way you know the body kind of follows the mind because just before that his mind was on oh my god i gotta get the hell out of here i'm gonna die and his body was moving he was booking it he slides into a place of safety his mind realizes that his body gives out i think that's so interesting um so yeah 1917 um also movie. My favorite part of that movie is the way they shot it, for sure. War movies aren't my favorite, but because this one was different in the way that, like I mentioned, they shot it and they followed around the main character nonstop. It was it wasn't any there wasn't anything you had to figure out about it. It was just f- watch this story, watch from this guy's perspective, uh, feel something, and and just you know, try to enjoy it. And I I appreciated that. Um, So what are your, what are some of your final thoughts on 1917 before we move on to uh, one of our favorites?
1: Final thoughts on 1917. Um, Kind of piggybacking off of what you were just saying, war movies are tough for me because they're just brutal primarily. And I'm just not, I'm probably not made To be some kind of soldier or anything. So, seeing other people having to go through what they have to go through in order to just survive, it sort of puts my life and just the concept of life into perspective for me. And um, what works for me with 1917 is that the story is simple and to the point. Um, Lots of war movies lots of other war movies tend to get bogged down into all these details and it can be easy to kind of get lost in that kind of a story but this was straightforward and to the point and I really appreciated that um there wasn't really anything that stood out to me in a negative light throughout the movie, the technical aspect of this movie, they pretty much shot it to look like two one-hour, one-shot scenes where, I mean, right from the beginning goes for like an hour or so. And then when the guy gets shot and falls down the stairs and it kind of fades to black. Mm -hmm. And then when he wakes up, I think that's when... At least that's what Wikipedia tells me, and what kind of I figured out watching it was the second one take starts when he wakes up after getting shot and passing out. I guess
0: is this when he kind of jumps in the uh, the river there or something?
1: Yeah, and he gets spotted and somebody's shooting at him. He he uh, manages to dodge the bullets and he goes into the. Uh, building to neutralize the threat and um as he's trying to open the door to where the guy is kind of hiding in the bird's nest um the guy shoots him and he uh flies down and lands in the landing um of the uh stairs and then it kind of fades to black
0: yeah you know what's funny about that part is as i'm watching this movie i remember we talked and I, we thought it was all one shot and I think you had maybe uh, texted me while I was watching it, and you and you said something like, "You know what? It's actually not all one take. It might be two. And as you typed that, he he fell. He was shot, and he fell into I think the river, or whatever he fell into. And you could see, you know, for the first time in the movie, the camera kind of shut off and come back on when he woke up. Yeah. So I was like, "Oh my God! What a coincidence!" There's the second take you know so i thought that was re- so here's here's something interesting so we're seeing the movie through the man's perspective i think for the most part the entire movie the first and only time he closes his eyes the second take started and the first take stopped like real life you know yeah i thought that was cool um so yeah nothing i mean when you think about it 1917 not really a movie that would you would think that you know you and I would like since we kind of like more of the thinker thinker movies but yeah. it was just such an enjoyable movie it was unique in the way that they shot it and uh, I really appreciated it it wasn't it didn't feel like just another war movie for me you know
1: exactly yeah they uh i mean there was a couple like big time actors in the movie and they made their presence felt um especially Benedict Cumberbatch at the end. I couldn't imagine just him waiting around on set for them yeah. to get the take right. I have no idea how long he probably had to wait for that, but I bet that really tested um, his patience because <laughs> yeah. he's right at the end of the movie pretty much.
0: You know, but I don't they all have remember to remember him in it.
1: He's the, um, he's the commander of... The Dead Kid's brother's company.
0: Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, I remember him.
1: Yeah, the guy who just wants to fight.
0: You want to yeah. bring him up here now? He's uh, Doctor Strange.
1: Doctor Strange, um, Sherlock. He's in a lot of stuff. He's a very, very good actor.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. How could I forget him? Yeah. So for a guy like him to be waiting around for the end, that's interesting. Any, uh, if, th- if those are our final thoughts, we can move on to one of our favorites in Inception.
1: Definitely a top 10 film for me all time. Um, definitely on my list. It is a pretty complicated movie, so this is probably going to take a while just to fully wade through everything that's presented to us, the audience.
2: Yeah.
0: Right, and, um, right up our alley, this one.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Um, as always, full spoilers ahead. Seriously, there's going to be so many. If you, hadn't
0: so, seen if you now, haven't seen The Inception like, by now, what it? are you waiting for?
1: What are you waiting for? Yeah. <laughs> um, the thing about this movie, I mean, just even after seeing it the first time, 10 years ago when it came out, or almost 10 years ago now, is... It's two and a half hours, but it does not feel like it's two and a half hours. There doesn't seem to be a moment wasted or just unnecessary scenes shown to us. It's just everything's kind of in its right place, and it makes sense, and it's necessary to push the the story forward, you know? Yeah. Should I go through like the terms and stuff that need to be explained? Absolutely. Okay, so start off with the name of the movie, Inception. Inception is, as explained in the movie, the act of of planting an idea in the subject's head and doing so in such a way that they are unaware that anyone has actually suggested the idea to them. So in other words, the subject has to believe that they came up with the idea on their own for the inception to actually stick in their mind. Um, Extraction is the act of going into the dream world and stealing information from the subject or the mark. Um, Basically, This movie is about or follows Dom Cobb, played by Leonardo DiCaprio. He's a high-tech thief, essentially. Um, And this movie deals with the concept of a shared subconscious, shared dream worlds. And um, Dom and his team are primarily extractors they create these dream levels go into them with the subject or the mark that they're trying to steal the information from and while they're in the dream steal the information without the mark knowing about it or at least trying to make sure the mark doesn't know about it and since it's a shared dream world there are so many different things that could go wrong where everything could collapse in on itself. And I, th- I found that so fascinating because I've always been fascinated by dreams and um, why people dream. I mean, I don't know about you. Maybe this is just me, but I don't really remember my dreams anymore. No, me neither. I, I used to vividly remember my dreams when I was a kid, even through maybe, like, 19 or 20. I used to regularly remember my dreams in vivid detail, and now I kind of don't, and I kind of miss that. So, what I'm trying to get at is, this movie kind of reminds me of, it's a way to experience that kind of, that again that ability to remember or to be immersed in some kind of dream and uh, I've always been fascinated by that kind of stuff um, so we touched on inception we talked touched on extraction um, the architects are vitally important because they design the dreams levels for everybody who is going to go into the dream together. Their job is to create the world of the dream, bring the subject into that dream, and the subject fills it with their subconscious. However, in order for the dream to stick and the design to kind of stick, it needs to be designed in such a way to be able to hide the dreamers and the subject from the projections within the dream. And projections are the subject's subconscious. Like their internal defenses, their defense mechanisms. The more complicated the dream, the easier it is to, for everybody in the shared dream to not be essentially attacked. By the dreamer subconscious. And the Dom's team consists of quite a few different characters. Um, The architect, like I just talked about, um, is Ariadne, played by Ellen Page. Um, She was great in this movie, by the way. I think that every single actor brought a dimension and a truth to their character that was believable and it seems like they were fully present you know what i mean mm-hmm. yeah so I, I think one of my pet peeves in movies just in general is movies or tv shows too um theater whatever if there's a bad actor or a couple bad actors it takes me out of the story i want to be in the story so watching things that have good actors it just kind of brings another what's the word layer to the experience that's kind of important to me. And,
0: 100% I agree with that.
1: Yeah. So um the acting was really on point. Um nobody really stole the show but they all brought something to their characters that Made them vital and vibrant and real, and I really appreciated that. I don't know about you, but seeing this movie for the first time, I did not grasp everything. And oh, no uh, way. I've come across some people who say that they grasped it all in one going, and I can't help but think you're a liar. You're <laughs> lying, <laughs> and you should stop lying. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Two thoughts. One, you're lying, two, stop lying.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I think it took me maybe two or three viewings to really, really get what was going on because there's some dialogue that goes on with around the uh dream levels to where I thought the dream was this person's dream, but actually it was this person's dream and No, no, actually, it was this person's dream. Yeah. Yeah, so, um... Essentially, you want to talk about the dream levels?
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Okay, um... So, first off, the first scenes in the movie... Dom and his team are trying to steal information from Saito, who is their, uh, mark, or the subject. So, they take him into their shared shared dream world, um which is a dream within a dream, so two levels. The Japanese castle, or whatever it was, dream, was Arthur's dream. Arthur is kind of the team's researcher, information gatherer. So Mm -hmm. this is his dream. And um, they are trying to find the safe where Saito has the information they're trying to steal. The information they're trying to steal is for one of Saito's rival companies, Cobol Engineering. So they're trying to, I believe, get his expansion plans to, I don't know, get a leg up on him or whatever. And uh, as they're in the second level of the Dream, they break into the safe, but there's information that's missing. The ceiling starts to shake, and it just seems like things are going wrong. And um, that's because in the first level of the dream, Saito's um, projections are having a full-blown riot and are kind of burning down a city outside of the apartment, which is the main part of the first level of the dream. Where they're um, kind of trying to get the information. Actually, no, that's the first level of the dream. Um, I lost my train of thought,
0: <laughs> dude. It's so easy to do with this movie, too. I'm thinking that as you're talking, I'm like, man, like I would have been so confused. But like, you you forget parts and you you mix and matching parts. Like, there's so much into this movie that you're like, wait, wait, wait. I forgot another part. Oh wait, wait wait. <laughs> let me backtrack a little bit. Like I found that I was doing that so much. yeah, you you said you had to watch the movie two or three times, dude. so I saw I saw this movie in its entirety. I'll say, I, I mean, I bought the movie. I have it on DVD. Remember DVDs? I, I think I watched it like three or four. <laughs> I think I watched it like three or four times on the on the DVD and maybe once in theaters. and you know, a couple uh, weeks ago. Uh, I mean, a couple months ago now, holy shit, I'm, I think this is back in February, uh, something happened where I, I couldn't really do much, I was forced to kind of just take my time and hang out for a second, or, or a couple days, and I took an entire day to watch Inception, and every, I, I think it wasn't so much that I was rewinding to understand parts, I kept getting distracted, and I'm like, no, 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 I gotta pause it here. And then I gotta rewind ten seconds, or or, or you know a couple minutes, so that yeah. I can rewatch the part and pick up. So doing that for me, kind of imagine like you're explaining In- Inception to like a five year old, like that's what I did that day basically. I watched Inception basically five or six times, and I'm like, oh my god, what a great movie! Like I finally thought that I understood it. Uh, you know, and, and interrupt me if I'm if I'm reminding you of your train of thought anywhere along the way here. But uh, the act, can I just talk about the actors in this movie for a second and the actresses because yeah. I don't know about for you, but eventually we'll do our top five, top ten actors, actresses list. Leonardo DiCaprio, I don't care what anybody says about him because there are some people out there that are like aren't big Leo fans. Mm. I think he's great, man. Uh, I, I guess I don't know. How great his range is, but I always enjoy watching him act. I think he does a spectacular job, and uh, I think he was perfect for this role. Let me see. let me pull up the list here. I, as I'm reading here on Wikipedia, fun fact, uh, both Brad Pitt and Will Smith were offered the role. I think both would have played the, the the role just as good to tell you the truth. I think, you know, I like Brad Pitt, but he's in enough movies. You know what I mean? Like I don't want to see that much brad pitt uh <laughs> i think will smith would have been an interesting choice for this role you know uh i'm yeah. thinking of his character in uh come on what's the movie with the zombies
1: uh i am legend
0: yes it's his character in i am legend and i'm, I'm picturing a uh, will smith in inception i think he would have been awesome in it but ultimately i'm, I'm happy with leo uh joseph gordon levitt as arthur I remember him mostly from the Batman – from the the other uh, – uh, I was going to call him Lou Nolan for a second here, man. <laughs> <laughs> we got flyers on the brain. Christopher Nolan. He's He's been in uh, all, all the Batman – I'm sorry, the uh, Christopher Nolan Dark Knight movies. Uh, I'm thinking of another movie he was in that I really enjoyed him in. It was an older one because he used to be one of those like boy toy guys back when we were growing up, right? Joseph Gordon-Levitt.
1: He was uh, – um... Do you remember the show Third Rock from the Sun?
0: Yeah, I never got into it though. He was—he was one of the kids on that, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. He was—he was a kid among this group of aliens, and he was like actually older than everybody else. But yeah, go ahead.
0: <laughs> yeah, and he kind of grew up. He was in some chick flicks, whatnot. I think he's a, an awesome actor. I appreciate the roles that he plays. I think he's, he's a pretty good, yes, yeah, very good actor. Uh, says here. James Franco was in talks with Christopher Nolan to play the same character, which I love James Franco. I really, really do. I can't really see him playing this role in Inception, though. James Franco is one of my one of my favorites, but uh, I'm not sure how he would have done here. Well, what are your thoughts there, James Franco over jo- uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt for uh, the role of Arthur?
1: I don't think uh, Franco would have been able to bring as much. What am I? The word I'm looking for. I'm um, not sure he would have been able to bring as much restraint as Joseph Gore Levitt. Um, and what I mean by that is kind of not, whenever I think of James Franco, I think of kind of big bombastic characters. I'm not yeah. really sure why, but um, it just seems like those are the kind of roles that he gravitates towards. And like, Very, very big kind of performances that, I mean, while good, I'm not sure that um, he would have been able to bring what was kind of needed for this character to work, like Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Joseph Gordon-Levitt can play with restraint really well, and he can also go big too, but it doesn't seem like... I haven't seen too many um, movies that he's in where he kind of plays a big theatrical character, you know?
0: Yeah. When I think of James Franco, I think of like Pineapple Express. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and not to take anything away from James Franco because I, and I might be biased because I really like him. I think he's, uh, what do you call, uh, I think he's a little bit underrated because of some of the roles that he's played. I, I think he can be a good actor, but I think a lot of the uh, like the stoner movies he's been in, kind of diminish him a little bit but I think the word that you used for Joseph Gordon-Levitt was perfect he he could he played a more reserved role a more serious role and you know how what do you think of of, of Joseph Gordon-Levitt as kind of a Scotty Pippen to Leonardo DiCaprio's Michael Jordan to use a sports analogy there like Ooh. he's a star don't get me wrong but like he's not a Leo. He's li- he's not a Leonardo DiCaprio, right?
1: Yeah, he's the uh he's pretty much the perfect supporting cast for DiCaprio in this movie.
0: One might say he's the Robin to a Batman. Oh no.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> I had to dude. I don't know why I didn't see that originally. It was just sitting there. So Yeah, Joseph Gordon-Levy, you're right. He's more perfect for that role than James Franco. Uh, Ellen Page, who you may know a little bit more about than I do, played uh, Ariadne.
1: Yeah, um, you ever see the movie Juno? Uh,
0: I saw bits of it. I think I saw it when I was younger and fell asleep. But now that you bring it up, I do remember her in that, yeah.
1: Yeah, um, I think she was nominated for Academy Award for that. Yeah, she's a great actress, and um, especially in this role, she's kind of like the audience's... She kind of mirrors the audience, um, if that makes any sense, in Inception. Where, as the movie's going along, she keeps learning more and more about this world, this... um, shared consciousness world where you can go within dreams and create dreams and how to create dreams how not to create dreams um along the way she uh kind of asks questions to uh like arthur or um dom and the questions that she asks are kind of like you know i was gonna ask that question not right now but that's a question that you could Imagine the audience asking at that particular moment in time, you know, that's
0: a good point. Yeah. Maybe, so maybe she's like trying to help explain a little bit during the, in the movie, like what's happening. I don't know. Yeah. I, that's um, a good observation by you. Why, thank you, sir. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but, um, speaking of just like explaining this world, similar to other kind of heist movies, That's kind of essential for it to work because if they didn't explain this world at all, it wouldn't make sense and it wouldn't work. I don't know about you, but if they didn't tell me or explain the mechanism of the dream world and the levels and uh, why they need to be sedated for a shared dream three levels or more and why they wouldn't need it and... All that minutia that's thrown at us, if that wasn't shared, this movie would be terrible. But since it was, it adds to the greatness, in my opinion, of this movie. It's not too much that you just kind of get bogged down with too many details, but it's just enough to where, okay, I needed to know that. Thank you for explaining that to me. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Yeah, I agree. So if I can move on a little bit here, not that Alan Page wasn't great, yeah, but yeah. somebody who I I think number one is just gorgeous, but Marion Cotillard, I mean, do you say, is it Cotillard or Caudillard? Isn't she French?
1: Um, Marion Cotillard.
0: Yeah. Dude, I mean, number one, let me just say, she's really nice to look at. Um,
1: yes, she is a beautiful woman. <laughs>
0: Uh, I think she's a, an outstanding actress. I liked her in uh, Dark Knight Returns. And I enjoyed her role. Albeit, you know, a, a smaller role. But very important to, you know, the entire movie. I think she did a fantastic job. She played Mal Cobb in the movie, Dom's deceased wife. Yep. Uh, what I learned... And I, and I kind of knew this as I'm watching the movie, you know. Like, okay, he's he's going through... You know, dreams and whatnot, and he and she's so ingrained in his mind that he's that she's popping up in memories or these dreams. And so I'll read here uh, the description of Mal Cobb's role or of of Marianne Cotillard's role. She's mm-hmm. Dom's deceased wife. She is a manifestation of Dom's guilt about the real cause of Mal's suicide. He's unable to control these projections over, challenging his abilities as an extractor. Uh, So the director, Christopher Nolan, described Mal as the essence of the femme fatale. Uh, And DiCaprio praised her performance, saying that she can be strong and vulnerable and hopeful and heartbreaking all in the same moment, which was perfect for all the contradictions of her character. And yeah, uh, she kind of played a I don't want to call her a straight up villain, but. She was out to kind of ruin things most of the movie, you know. She was, I don't want to say a, a bad memory, but Cobb, uh, Di- DiCaprio's guilt, or if you want to use the character name, Dom Cobb, you know, he essentially like kind of lost her in all his dreams, right? And yeah. or, or she got lost in them with him, and she was not sure. What was real anymore. She was not sure which reality she was in. And it kind of was driving her a little bit nuts. So she wound up. Committing suicide. By accident. Because she jumped to her death. In real life. In what she thought was a dream. So. Leonardo DiCaprio's character. Carried that guilt with him. And it was so strong. uh, He. He essentially thought he was he thought i'm sorry how can i say this so he had guilt because he thought it was his fault for taking her through everything he took her through that is the reason why she killed herself so he he was taking blame uh and he felt so strongly about it that she was following him everywhere and and just so i guess if you want to like translate it i guess into like real life stuff uh, she was messing with his concentration essentially right
1: yeah, she, uh,
0: she was always on his mind.
1: Exactly, yeah. She was just kind of getting in the way. And, I mean, I thought, can I jump in?
0: Absolutely, yeah.
1: Yeah, um, I thought that her character was heartbreaking because, I mean, at some point in the movie, uh, Arthur tells Ariadne, I mean, Ariadne asks what she was like in real life. And Arthur was like, she was lovely. She was great. And... What's kind of sad about the movie is we never really see that version of the character. We see the broken, compromised, damaged version of this character. And um, the more we learn about how that came to be, it's heartbreaking because essentially the reason that Dom knows that Inception is possible is because he accidentally did it to her when they were in the dream world together essentially limbo which is just raw infinite subconscious where it's a shared subconscious too so it's not just if you're in there with um, another person you see their subconscious too or you come into contact with it and mal and dom were down there for something like 50 years and dom realized that he realized where they were after a while because he kind of the more you're down there the less you kind of realize what is real and what is isn't. you kind of lose touch with reality and uh he realized that they had to get out of there and get back to reality um So he inadvertently tells her that this isn't real to just kind of snap her back to reality and get out of there and get back to their kids and their family. And when they both wake up, you could kind of tell right when that happens that something was wrong with her. She had this kind of like vacant expression and sense that something's wrong. And also you kind of we're told that something's wrong beforehand, but you can just kind of feel, um, that something isn't quite right with her. And, um, and then that scene in particular at the hotel on their I think it was their anniversary, right?
0: Yes, actually it
1: was. Yeah. Their wedding anniversary. Um, what's so screwed up about the whole thing is that before she jumps the window in the hotel, she had three psychiatrists declare her legally sane. And um, I I forget exactly what else she did, but it was also something pretty insidious and just out of character with how she was described by Arthur. And um, basically, Leo or Dom comes to the hotel room and is trashed and um, it's kind of staged to look like and he goes to the window and she's on the adjacent hotel room or whatever like right right across the way and she was talking about how if she jumps like she'll just come back to life and everything will be okay and Dom's pleading with her not to do it and then she does and you, you just feel the crushing sadness that comes over him and it's just yeah she was a heartbreaking character and she was she played it so so well
0: yeah she kind of has that look i think about it where you know she could she could be a real sweetheart but at the same time we saw it again in dark Knight returns she could be a real sweetheart and then you turn around and it's like holy shit like who is this you know what I mean?
1: Uh, so she's a fantastic actress.
0: She really is. Yep. So I could talk. It's funny because there's so many uh, important roles in this movie, and we can get stuck talking about her for a while here. So another one of my favorite actors is Tom Hardy, and he's in this movie as well as Ames. Uh, he's described as a sharp-tongued, of Cobb. He's referred to as a fence, but his specialty, or speciality, is forgery. More accurately, identity theft. Ames uses his ability to impersonate others inside the dream uh, in order to manipulate Fisher. Heart, uh, so he was one of my favorite characters because I, I always was. I like how he did the shape shifting, and you know, you never knew who he was at certain points. He was real kind. He was a slippery character, kind of a snake. You know, uh, I, I really love Tom Hardy's character. I and I love Tom Hardy. I think he's a, an outstanding actor. You know what? Real quick, like what's kind of funny is Joseph Gordon Levitt. Uh, You have Tom Hardy, you have Marion Cotillard, all in Dark Knight Returns as well. Yeah. And and same director, so not really a coincidence there. Uh, Very interesting, Now, Your thoughts on Tom Hardy as Ames?
1: He brought a level, a a levity to the proceedings that kind of brought, he injected some humor into a pretty dark and uh deep movie Uh, i like especially that moment where uh arthur's shooting at um robert fisher's the the second subject in the movie the main guy who they um perform inception on and uh arthur's shooting at the guys eames goes back and gets a bigger gun like you have to dream a little bigger darling
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah that always uh kind of stuck stuck out to me as a fun part and uh he added something unique to the team that was vitally important and um hardy brought his a game for sure
0: yeah he sure did yeah I-, I love watching him man he's such a great actor at least i think he is he's in my top 10 for sure which i already mentioned we'll get to at some point Top 10 actor actress list. is interesting Now there's a couple of them for me in this movie. So uh, I think maybe an underrated character, even actor in this movie because of the star power in DiCaprio, Gordon Levitt, Ellen Page, Tom Hardy, uh, is Ken Watanabe's character as Mr. Saito. uh, A Japanese businessman who employs Cobb for the team's mission. And we already kind of went over this. Uh, Nolan wrote the role with Watanabe in mind, as he wanted to work with him again after Batman Begins. So another interesting connection. Uh, Inception is Watanabe's first work in a contemporary setting where his primary language is English. Watanabe tried to emphasize a different characteristic of Saito in every dream level. Wow, that's interesting. First chapter in my castle, I I pick up some hidden feelings of the cycle and this is uh, in quotes it's magical powerful and and then the first dream and back to the second chapter in the hotel i pick up being sharp and and more calm and smart and it's a little bit of a different process to make up the character in any movie so really interesting because i'm not sure i noticed that but why i'm so kind of i don't know what the word is here Uh, i guess captivated a little bit by his character is because stuff happens to him in this movie that doesn't really happen to anybody else he he dies in a dream and we see it in the beginning of the movie he's stuck in limbo for how long was it it was it was an insane amount of time i remember reading and yeah maybe i don't even think they said how long like that's how long it was but when they show him in the beginning and he's kind of... He's an old man. Like, really, really, like, ridiculously old. Like, it's because yeah. he's been stuck in the dream for so long. And through the course of the movie, you know, he's he, he's in it for business. He's doing anything to make money. He's trying to steal an, an opposition's... Uh, you said uh, it was their, their plan to grow. Whatever the plan was, right?
1: Oh, no. Um, um, that was the first kind of introduction to the movie. Cobalt Engineering was trying to steal his expansion plans.
2: Oh,
0: okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah.
1: But in the main multi-level dream, he is trying to get Robert Fisher, the heir to one of his one of Saito's biggest rivals, Business Empire. He wants Robert to dissolve or break up the Empire. That's right. So they don't have a, a monopoly and become extremely powerful. But yes, continue.
0: So I'm kind of intrigued by his character because you don't – he kind of goes through some changes during the course of the movie where you know he's all about money. He's all about money. He dies and he goes to limbo. And you see him kind of change when – I think they kind of – they find him again or they find a way to bring him back, don't they?
1: Yeah, so – When he's in the first level of the dream, when they're in the van, he gets shot. But since they're in a multi-level dream, he can't die on the first level because of the powerful sedative that was given to them by their chemist, Yusuf. So he gets shot in the first level of the dream, the van... In the second level of the dream in that hotel lobby, he's dying, but he isn't dead. The third level, the snow fortress, he dies there. Since he dies there, he ended up in limbo for God knows how long and became a. He was pretty much a decrepit old man by the time Cobb meets up with him towards the end of the movie.
0: And I was fascinated by that. And I, I you know what? The end of the movie is escaping me. Isn't he in the. He's. In the end scene as well, isn't he?
1: Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. um, You want me to go over kind of what happened at the end? Oh, I didn't hear that. You kind of broke up.
0: Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, of course.
1: Yeah, so basically Cobb meets with Saito. And Saito, I mean, his mind's pretty much gone. He's like, are you here to kill me? I feel like I know you from somewhere, but I can't place you. And... I forget, Dom said some things, and they kind of helped him recognize him and why he was there and everything. And uh, since they were in limbo, the only way to get back to reality was, I think, they killed each other. They didn't show that on screen, though. They killed each other or killed themselves. And dying in limbo brings you all the way back to reality. Reality is where they're all on that flight to L.A., And everybody wakes up on the flight in LA and um, Cobb basically is able to fulfill his goal all along was to get back to the United States to be able to see his kids again. Because essentially, basically, um, Maul made it look like he killed his wife. The United States thought he killed his wife. So he needed Saito's help as well. Who had some kind of connection with powerful people to make it make his legal problems go away, so he can go home and see his kid, kids, plural.
0: <laughs> That's right. He did have two. One of them, I think, was named James. Actually, it's a good strong name.
1: Yeah, the, strong name. Familiar, familiar sounding.
0: <laughs> so now that we've gone over most of the characters. This, I mean. You mentioned dreams earlier. I, I kind of have a fascination with uh, dreams as well. This movie was kind of everything that I hoped it would be, and and a little bit more because it wasn't easy to understand. you know I, 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 when I like a movie, I don't want to know everything that happens when I first watch it because I want to watch it again and again. You know I know that there's things you know in this movie that I didn't understand the first couple times I saw it. And after like the fourth or fifth time, and I was like, I still don't know what's going on, man. Well, maybe I'll take a break. <laughs> so I didn't. Wa- I didn't watch it for a couple of years. You know, the last time I watched it, I was like, man, what a great movie. You know, like to actually sit back and come up with everything, to put this movie together. Uh, you know, Christopher Nolan did an outstanding job, and you know, I also learned that his, I think his father passed away the year before he had made this movie and i think that inspired him somewhat to uh create a movie like this uh i guess in terms of leonardo dicaprio's character always seeing his you know his uh wife in dreams and whatnot and she's always on his mind i guess in a similar fashion to the way christopher nolan felt you know with his father passing Uh, it's just one of those movies i truly truly appreciate it's Definitely in, my, in both of our top tens. I know this is going to be a silly question to ask here, but we are over an hour already. Oh, my God. Time flies, dude. What did we not touch on about Inception?
1: We didn't touch on Cillian Murphy's character.
0: We like did not.
1: Robert Fisher, who becomes the main subject or the mark of the story. And what was so fascinating about his character was he had a very troubled relationship with his father. And what's so great about the journey that this character takes through all the dream levels and everything is that he finally comes to the realization that when, it, when his father was dying, when he was saying, I was disappointed, then he just kind of died. He wasn't saying he was disappointed in him. He was... More saying that he was disappointed that he was trying to become him or become more like him. Disappointed in him not becoming his own man. And um, he comes to that realization on the third level of the dream. And you see the character appreciate kind of the entire relationship he has with his father and see it in a different light than what he had before, which was just kind of fraught and, uh, I don't know, complicated and just negative. So um, basically, he's one of the most important characters in the movie because he has to accept the Inception or the idea to break up his father's empire. And you go along the ride with him and Dom's team to make it to that goal.
0: Yeah, and what I found really interesting when uh he finally met up with with his dad his dad was on his deathbed when he finally did meet up with dad with his dad don't they open the safe and you know he was expecting to find what was he expecting to find in the safe
1: the alternate will
0: for, for his dying father and then instead he opens the safe and and he sees that that kind of that that windmill where you, you know you hold it uh, and, and when the wind blows, the thing spins. And yeah. what that's a symbol of, at least uh, to him, was, you know, his, his father's greatest treasure was him. You know, or, or it was trying to show him that, you know, he was a lot more important to his father than he originally thought. And I don't know. I thought that was a pretty awesome scene. You know, it, I guess it kind of struck a chord there or something. It you was know, it's pulling on your heartstrings a little bit. And, uh you know just added another you know an another aspect or another feeling or emotion to this movie already great movie you know now it's like oh my god what a scene you know
1: for sure yeah
0: so uh, yeah how could i forget a uh, cillian murphy he's a i don't think he's underrated you know by people who like to watch movies but i think he's underrated for me because i haven't watched as much of him But from what I do see of him, he's outstanding. And I think I'm going to make it a point to watch some more of his stuff. What's the the show everybody tells me to watch?
1: Peaky Blinders.
0: Peaky Blinders. Yeah, I think I just have to force myself to watch that.
1: Yeah, it's on Netflix.
0: Yeah, I got to watch it just just to see his character. I got to give that a shot.
1: Yeah, he's phenomenal in that show. Um,
0: you know what I did see him in? I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you there. Wasn't he in Gangs in New York? I guess I could look that up real quick instead of it's putting you on the spot. been
1: so long <laughs> since I've seen that. I don't know. Just, I mean, um, I just know the two main characters, Daniel Day-Lewis and Leonardo DiCaprio.
0: Oh, my God. Two more of my faves. Yep. Just for the record here, we are never going to do that movie for this show. That's not like a four-hour movie.
1: Maybe. It, it has been so long since I've seen that. I don't even know. <laughs> I didn't have the time.
0: Yeah. Maybe yeah. Maybe I'm completely wrong here. Yeah, I don't see him. I could have swore he was in it. Cillian Murphy. Cillian Murphy. No. Huh? I didn't know Cameron Diaz was in that. What the hell? Oh
1: yeah, what? I think remember that she was in it. But I dig- I don't remember what character she plays
0: <laughs> Yeah, I digressed a little bit off so topic well. there. Yeah, that's fine. So yeah, uh, Inception, outstanding movie. I'm gonna. You know what? I mentioned before the show, while we were texting, that you know maybe we could come out with two of our movies out of our top ten. And I feel like we both just gave one in Inception. Why don't you give us one more movie out of your top ten, and that's one that we'll watch for the next show. And I'll give you one more movie out of my top ten.
1: Okay. Um, I think I touched on three movies that were in my top ten last week. Or in the first show. I think it was Shawshank Redemption. Godfather 1 and 2. So that's three. In my top ten. Four. Inception. Well it's kind of easy. But uh, The Dark Knight is also in my top ten.
0: Dude I'll watch that movie whenever it's on.
1: Yeah. it's uh, I think it's the best Batman movie that's come out yet. So There's just so much to like.
0: Would you say would you want to go over the dark night for next week's show
1: yeah if there's if you have no objections
0: absolutely not so maybe i'll kind of counter that and i'll go in a different vein this way we have like a kind of like a sweet and sour thing going on here um so you're gonna go like an action flick another christopher nolan movie in a dark night and i'll go hmm I, dude, I, I got a lot of Christopher Nolan movies in my top 10 as well here. Why don't I go... Have you seen The Aviator? Yeah. What do you think of that? Is that a movie that you'd want to uh, do for the next show?
1: Absolutely. Yeah, there's a... It's a very long movie, and <laughs> I really enjoy that movie. Howard Hughes was quite the character.
0: He really was, wasn't he? So... And it's funny because I could get into a whole another thing about you know Howard Hughes and the, the Aviator now because in my opinion underrated movie, big time. I really enjoyed it. I also have come to realize that it's not everybody's cup of tea, you know. Some people it might you know, maybe it's a little bit boring. Maybe you're not a huge Leo fan. I don't know what it is. I love that movie though. So next show guys, we're gonna do uh, the Dark Knight. And we got a little aviator coming at you. Before we wrap up for this episode, Ted, what did you have anything else that you wanted to talk about this episode?
1: You know, I think we covered pretty much everything. We probably could have talked for about Inception for another hour or so.
0: <laughs> <It's>, like, <laughs> I know, man.
1: I'm sure that's not gonna be the everything.
0: last time we talk about that on the show.
1: Yeah. But um, no, nah, man. I'm good. I think we covered it.
0: Awesome. So that's gonna do it for episode episode two guys if you tuned in thanks so much for listening episode three yeah episode three will be out next monday we're gonna call these movie mondays with jim and ted how about that huh
1: put that in your pipe and smoke it
0: (laughs) what's that what's that from dude
1: i think i heard it from austin powers and some other places Yeah, alright. So I actually know I came up with it all on my own. It was all me.
0: Put that in your pipe and smoke it. I gotta <laughs> I'm gonna Google what the hell I heard that from. We're gonna have to watch that movie. No, we'll get some maybe we'll get a comedy or two on here one oh, of these yeah, days. Great. So yeah, until next time, guys, next Monday we'll be back, another movie Monday with Jim and Ted. Uh thanks for listening. And have a good week.
1: Thanks guys. I'm an artist and a full success into the brand All
2: the iterations and others to destroy I didn't tell, how can we forget about it Say you don't hate me for nothing Hate me for falling out of reach Hate me for something Never knew that you could be so long